0: Unique, yet common-sense opinions on sports, this is Jeff Allen's Sports Talk.
1: All right, welcome to another edition of the podcast, and coming up on this episode, it's another media spotlight edition with my guys, Eric Lopez and Adam Eaton. We will discuss, among other things, March Madness coverage and Jim Nance's last ride. We'll look at golf coverage of the Masters and Live Golf, some MLB changes, and also pricing on NFL Sunday Ticket, and we'll review the Sports Emmys nominations. So, my guys, Eric and Adam, standing by in the virtual green room, and they will join us in just a few moments. couple of quick notes. So, Odell Beckham Jr. has finally landed. Thank God it wasn't with my Cowboys, because I was not wanting him anywhere near Near the team, he ends up with the Baltimore Ravens, who are, of course, in the midst of a storm with Lamar Jackson, their Pro Bowl quarterback. And then, you know, OBJ is one of those guys, short-term gain can be big, but long-term headache in many, many ways. So he might make a splash. He might not. I think the one guaranteed part is he will become disgruntled and a pain in the you-know-what for everybody involved with the Ravens organization. And I mentioned Live Golf. You know, they were just here in the Orlando area. They played their tournament a week before the Masters at Orange County National. And I watched a little bit of that on uh, the CW. And it was interesting. I was amazed at how terrible a shape Orange County National looked. Look looked like, you know the course was all burnt up they had that party vibe going there though and uh it's a it's an interesting aspect live golf um you know i would like to have seen one of those guys win the masters just for the chaos not because i love live golf or anything they stand for but just because it would have turned everything upside down in the golf world and made some fun conversation but uh you know, Brooks Kepka won the event, and then he went on and had a pretty good Masters tournament just following second to John Brom there. So imagine that. You know, Brooks Kepka plays in Orlando on a nasty-looking golf course, party music everywhere. He's wearing shorts, wins the tournament. And the next week, he's playing in the most pristine course in the world. <laughs> Not just pristine, but one of the toughest golf courses in the world and he gave it a good run. So think about that contrast from winning an Orange County National and almost winning the Masters. All right, we've got another Media Spotlight edition of the show. And as always, it's great to bring on my guys, Adam Eaton and Eric Lopez. Adam from Sons of UCF and Elo from... I guess we call it the night shift now, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, that's the podcast show now name. I mean, the website's still black and gold, banner, com. I broadcast UCF Software. I do a lot of hat. I wear a lot of hats.
1: Yes, you do. Yes, you do, my friend. And uh, guys, it's great to have you on board once again. Of course, uh, we come into the opening segment of the show playing some CBS NCAA music. This is actually the very first version of the what is now the third version today, which I still think this one's the best. But uh, we're going to talk recap some March Madness coverage. So let's get to that first out of the gate. So it was the last ride for Jim Nance as the voice of the tournament and the Final Four. And uh, my interesting take on this, or at least I think it's interesting, is um, I kind of felt, and I don't know if Nance asked for this, I don't know if, if, if CBS... Was trying to sell a narrative of Nance riding with the Houston Cougars all the way to H Town as he covered them both the first and the second round. I I kind of felt that was a little forced. Uh, I think it might have been better to to hold him out of that. But uh, uh, I know it was his alma mater and everything like that. But I sensed you know when they lost their game, you could see or you could hear the disappointment in him. At least I thought I could hear that. Maybe that's what I wanted to hear. I don't know, but. Uh, Wanted to get your guys' take on uh, the Nance uh, dance trip with Houston and, of course, all his uh, ride through the, the Final Four over, not just this year, but over the years. Go ahead, Adam
2: yeah I mean I think um look CBS got lucky right I mean Houston was a top team right they were I would, if not the top overall seed they were obviously in in that mixed uh, as a top seed it was in Houston this year right so I think there's a bit of a kismet factor involved in the fact that it was his last year Houston was a good team it was in Houston so I can see them trying to line that synergy up a little bit and if I'm Nance yeah I'm probably a little bit disappointed right and 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 ideally you don't want to show that or or have that inflected in your voice but I mean, we're all human, right? I could understand him thinking this would be a nice Cinderella story It doesn't pan out. I'm sure there's some disappointment, but I thought it was a good, fitting tribute. I thought it was the appropriate levels of of reverence to Jim. I thought he had opportunities to address, you know, the uh, you know the, the the audience, the crowd, if you will, the the viewer. Um, you know, I thought they did some nice tributes. Um, you know, so overall, I thought it was a fair. Um, uh, a fair send off. I was concerned it'd be a little over the top. And I was thinking we're going to like, we're going to do this thing where every, every game we do the rocking chair situation, right? The, the old NBA send off where, you know, Kareem got 82 games by rocking chairs, right? So I'm glad we didn't do that. I thought it was the appropriate level of, of conversation. I thought he handled it really well. You know, talking about friends. His last line, essentially saying, you know, goodbye, friends. At that point, right? I thought that was a really nice touch. So, I, I was, I was hoping it wouldn't be over the top. I didn't feel like it was over the top. I felt like it was the right way to go out. But I, I don't fault CBS or Jim Nance for thinking Houston, you know, could have lined up there because that would have been the perfect kismet way to go out story. So, I don't, I don't fault them for trying to line that up. It, you know, I if, if Houston was like a nine seed, then I'd be like, what are we doing here? But they were a good team, right? They were a team that had they were know, legit. Chances aspiration so to me it it made a lot of sense
0: well and the other thing was you didn't have the powers like North Carolina wasn't in the tournament Duke was sent to my back here in Orlando and our backyard so they weren't an option because normally in a normal year I think he would have done Greensboro I thought this whole time he was going to do Greensboro Friday Sunday because he's even said this in interviews his first ever regional he worked with was 1986 was in Greensboro when he, he covered Johnny Dawkins and Duke, was in that region, I even asked Johnny Dawkins about that during the season.
1: And, and wasn't so, he with uh, Raftery in that first? Uh, he was with Raftery, yeah.
0: ironically enough, for that first NCAA tournament when he was doing those games, and then eventually, obviously, he was the studio for the Final Four that year. So I thought he was going to do Greensboro just to, hey, one more time around Turn you know, but what happened was with no North Carolina there, no Duke, He, I think they went with the Houston angle, plus they had Alabama and Birmingham there, and then... I think the way the tournament played out, you could argue that the Midwest, which is where Houston was, was the best regional on paper for the Sweet 16 round. They always picked the best regional. So I actually think, I don't think it was, I don't think it, I could be wrong. I don't think he was planning on following them the whole way. I think they may have forced the first one. And then the second one is like, oh, that is the best regional because of all the upsets after the dust settled. So I don't know if that was by design. But I do think that became the main storyline with the lack of powers. Hey, can Houston make it to the Final Four the year they're hosting the Final Four uh, on 40-year anniversary of the when they play NC State for the national title? And that, yes, the voice of the network, who's called 32-some Final Fours, got his start with Houston. Wouldn't that be something? So I, I, I do think that was the direction they went with, and uh, Miami decided
2: to uh, – and the, that storyline. <laughs> yeah, boy, did, did they ever. Elo, <laughs> I'm curious overall, though, what, what are your thoughts on a, a lot of conversations about the Final Four not having those blue bloods this year, right? I mean, we saw FAU, San Diego State, you know, smaller schools. New bloods. What are your thoughts on, on how much do you think that really impacts ratings? How much do either of you think that that really impacts the viewer? Or do you think there's an element of people like, hey, this is new. Let me check this out. Do you think that really impacts ratings to a, an appreciable degree that, you know, execs are worried about that kind of stuff?
0: I don't know about worry. I think we do tend to, and I write a lot of TV stuff, so we tend to, you know, make this more dramatic than it really is, right? Like, oh, my God, they got, you know, the lowest-rated finals. My God, is the NBA in trouble. And then, you know, you look up, and it's like 10, 12 million people are still watching. Um, And I think it's the similar case here. I don't think it's like, oh, my goodness, college basketball is in big trouble. It was the lowest national championship game ever, Connecticut and San Diego State. To put that in perspective, last year, North Carolina played Kansas. That was on TBS, which is on less homes than CBS. That's the thing. When you're on broadcast network channel, you still have the advantage of being on more homes, more – it's easier to find. Yet Carolina, Kansas outrated that even though it was on cable. I think if you ask CBS, they wish they could have had last year's Final Four. They would have drawn much more viewership. But is anybody going to lose sleep over you, CBS, only, quote, getting $14 Connecticut San Diego State no I don't I wouldn't cry and lose sleep over it but I do think it makes a factor uh, I know I think there were some casual people that actually because of that actually watched the women's final four instead of the men's final four because they had Caitlin Clark they had the storylines and I don't think it's an accident that the women's drew their highest uh, ratings for their semi-final in the national championship game in a year where the men's had its
1: lowest and on a Sunday afternoon no less <laughs>
0: A great slot on ABC, network yeah. television.
1: Yeah. Um, so, you know, Nance obviously is called more Final Fours than anyone by a long shot. I don't know if that's a uh, a number that anybody's ever going to hit. Uh, but you think about the over the years, you know, he's paired with Billy Packer for many, many years. Uh, you know, paired with Clark Kellogg, Greg Anthony, and of course now the current uh, lineup with Raftery and Grant Hill. Um, what do you do you, how do you rate his current setup with what it was with Billy Packer? Because Billy Packer was certainly a lightning rod uh, as far as uh, broadcasters were concerned.
0: I actually think Nance is better now, ironically, than he was with Billy Packer. I always thought that Nance and Packer was very stiff. You know what I mean? Like very dry. Like Billy Packer was always serious. Like, oh, that's a terrible pat. That's a turnover. That's a great analyst. But he was like, you know. Whereas Raftery, with Nance, with Raftery, Raftery's very, hey, this is fun, huh, Jim? You know, I think it allowed Jim's personality to come out more. Because I think when you remember Jim with Packer, it was very low-key in comparison. So I actually like, and I really liked when he had Steve Kerr as part of the three-man booth a few years back. um, That he acknowledged there. with Who was it? It was the third guy. That was Kerr, Nance, and was it Kellogg? Was it Kellogg who was it? I think it was
2: Kellogg. So, yeah, yeah,
0: I like that crew too. Um, you know, I'm not as big. I think Grant Hill is better by himself than and this crew because he defers a lot to Raftery and Jim. But I actually like Jim and and in this this version more than the early '90s, in my opinion, with Packer.
2: Yeah, I, I agree a thousand percent. I think Raftery brings a, a level of fun where. Billy Packer kind of felt like your freshman basketball coach, right? was, you know, run lines and do this knowledgeable about the game, but he, he kind of felt very authoritarian on his calls where it, it to, to Elos points a little bit loosey goosey, a little bit more, you know, catchphrase drop and having some fun kind of, I don't want to say an older Tony Romo, but kind of a Tony Romo-esque where it's a lot of, a lot of, you know, a lot of shtick, a lot of catchphrases, but he really knows the game. I think Eric hit the right point. I don't know how Grant Hill fit in that contract. I think Raftery is such a good personality. They have such a good chemistry. It felt awkward trying to shoehorn Grant in there. I agree. I like his analysis, but I think he's kind of wasted in that three-man situation. Curious to see what I would say they do with, with Nance um, popping out of that. But I, I agree. I think Raftery brought out an ability for Jim to have a little bit more let your hair down kind of a feel where I think he, he kind of felt like we all, just viewers like, I don't want to, I don't want to piss off Billy Packer because he's going to lecture me on air. I, I think he's allowed to kind of let his hair down a little bit with. Uh, no, that's with fair. That. Yeah.
0: I, I think that's a great description. What Adam just described. I actually do think that's what it was. I, I think that's a valid point. Um, and it's going to be interesting what they do with Iron Eagle to your point because the guy that's waiting in the wings clearly is Jay Wright. Clearly. Mm-hmm. who was phenomenal this year. I thought in the studio, he's done some games with Raftery. It's clear he's the heir apparent. The question is, do they put him in with Raftery or do they just wait till Raftery retires and then slide right in? That's going to be the question moving forward, I think, for the final four.
1: Yeah, I mean, so yeah, let's kind of get to that because obviously with uh, Nance moving on, Iron Eagles going to the number one team. Do they keep Raftery and Hill in that role or do they go a different direction? And of course, now this uh, brings up another interesting piece too because with Iron Eagle moving up to the one team. Now there's an there's a play-by-play opening uh, for tournaments mo- moving forward, and it'll be kind of be interesting to see what what they want to do there. Uh, my uh, thought going off the board, I would love to see them bring Gus Johnson back. I think that would be fabulous to have him back in the play-by-play rotation, not necessarily as, as a second weekend guy, but I think you know bringing him back and bringing some flavor in the first round would be kind of fun. Um, you know, Jim Spinarkel has been Ian's longtime partner you know what happens to him in this mix so there's a there's a definitely going to be as the last three years have been pretty well steady with their teams this next year is going to bring back some changes
0: and sparnarko thing is underrated because him and eagle have been a pair for over a decade yes so what do you do with sparnarko now do you keep him in that number two slot and plug in a play-by-play guy with him do you move sparnarko to a three-man booth does he get demoted what, that is the wild card in all this. Your Gus Johnson thing makes sense, except we don't know what his contract status is. So that, that's a, an interesting wild card. But to your point, do they go out on the outside to find somebody or do they promote from within? Uh, I And, and like and the reason I bring up the Sparnacal factor is, to me, the logical thing would be to just promote Kevin Harlan to the number two rot, slot. Mm-hmm. But then the question becomes, are you promoting him, Stan Van Gundy, and Dan Bonner into that spot, and demoting Spernarco, or do you consider putting Spernarco with Dan, uh, with Kevin Harlan, or do you promote a guy like uh, Spiro Ditas, uh into the equation? Uh, that could be a guy you could promote very easily. Uh, you know, they also like Carter. Uh, they like um,
1: Andrew Catalan. Andrew Cantelon. Him and Lapis was, should be on the second weekend. I definitely think they should move up a slot to get to the second weekend.
0: Right. But that's the decision. They, they've. And then, again, I keep, and not to harp on it, the Jay Wright factor. Do they decide to give him an NCAA tournament here, Adam, or not? Or do they keep him in the studio for another year? So I think there's a lot of questions here. And, again, let's say they don't decide to keep Grand Hill. I think they're going to keep Hill and Raftery at least for the first year with Ian Eagle. Eagle's worked with both in the past. So I don't see that being an issue. But this is an opportunity for them to tweak this roster, Adam. It's going to be interesting what they decide to do next year.
2: I mean, you guys have heard the phrase, God save the queen, right? God save Jim Spinarkle because he has to be a part of this coverage. He he is the NCAA turn. Like spinarkel and tournament, that just goes together. I don't know why he's got to be involved somehow. But again, I think this is an opportunity for CBS who's out there in kind of the, the younger ranks. I think Eric's talking about this. What, what he's describing is everyone kind of taking a step forward on a team, right? Which would open a spot for maybe a younger play by play guy, maybe. Maybe Ian's son, Noah, who's calling games, I think for the Clippers, right? Maybe that's a, you bring him in as, you know, you know, the seventh, eighth team, something on those lines, get some reps in there. Um, but I, I'm curious. Hey, two things. I think Jay Wright was great in the studio until you brought in the NBA guys. I think once you brought in Kenny and Charles, I feel like Jay Wright was a little bit kind of out on an island. Like he's not as, as, as quirky as, as Charles. He's not as, you know, it's not as, you know, I guess, confrontation or conversational as Kenny Smith is. So he kind of felt out of place with those guys. I agree with you. Elo, without the NBA guys, I thought he was great. You had Barkley in there. I think that's a whole kind of a circus that I don't know that Jay Wright really fit into. I'm more curious. Look, the re- the way college hoops and athletics and football are going, you're going to see more coaches leave early, right? They have no interest in the NIL stuff. They have no interest in that stuff. Who else pops available? What other coaches are out there? Uh, Coach K does a radio show. I know he has probably no interest in doing TV, but that's a huge name that's floating out there, right? Roy Williams, although he's kind of got an Auschucks, you know, mentality about him. Does he play well? I'm curious how many other former coaches are going to hop into that and go, hey, you know what? I'm done with coaching. Let me do some TV work. What other names are going to end up popping out there um, that, are, that are options for CBS? I, again, I I can't I don't think anyone would have predicted Jay Wright at this time last year, which tells me there's going to be a name that pops free that we go, hey, hmm, that's interesting. Maybe maybe that person's a fit for a TV job.
1: Yeah, and of course, you know, obviously ESPN's in the mix for some of these guys coming out of coaching with all the college basketball they covered during the season. So, you know, it could be one of those things where somebody goes to work for ESPN, which covers more college basketball than anybody else, or with FS1 and Fox you know, somebody might start to shine there and get consideration for the NCAA tournament, too. Definitely something to keep an eye on. But, uh, yeah, I...
0: Well, keep keep in mind, by the way, TBS will have the Final Four next year. Yes. And it's a Turner-CBS deal. So you got Turner guys to... I mean, Adam mentioned the NBA guys. They're not going away. Yeah. (laughs) They're not going away. Yeah. Uh, And so what about a Brian Anderson? Could he be in the mix? to promote him to with Sparnarkle, for example. That I think there's a lot of combinations there that's gonna be interesting. This will be one of the more anticipated NCAA tournament broadcast pairing assignments in a while. Because really the last few years it's pretty much been status quo for the most part.
2: Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, I think with with the ABI guys at Elo, I think in the studio They've got to find the right mix because, let's all be honest, we all know here that Charles and Kenny are not watching a single iota of college hoops up until the two weeks leading to the tournament. I highly doubt that either of those two are spending time going over film, knowing rosters, doing that stuff. And that's not a knock on them. I just simply don't think they have the time to do that. So if you're going to put the NBA guys in studio, you need the right mix of personality that can still offer some actual college basketball credibility, but also continue to mix it up with those two guys. I think that's where Jay Wright got a little bit miscast, and maybe he'll get better and grow into that. But you got to find someone that can kind of fit that mix. I, I I don't I don't love Reggie Miller on the college stuff. I just don't. I thought Stan Van Gundy was actually really good. Yes. I really like Stan as an announcer in general. um I thought that video. I don't. Did either of you see the video of uh, of Kevin Harlan calling that yeah. last second? Shot? I was behind and, them, so I had okay, a, a, a there close go. view. <laughs> Give me a ding on that, Jeff. Um just the way that 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 he you know, we got him out of the way, the way that Stan kind of laid out, the look on his face. Like he eats, sleeps, and breathes basketball. You can tell that's his thing. And I, I really like that that some of the NBA guys, Reggie, I could do without. I'm glad Chris Weber is behind us at this point. But I think you gotta figure out that studio mix if you're gonna add or keep in Kenny and Charles, which why would you not, by the way, they're you know, they're big names, and they're going to draw eyeballs to the to the studio shows.
0: Well, and here's my question. Why do we have to mix in the College Hoops NBA guys? What makes Inside the NBA such a huge show, and I know we'll get into them later with the awards, is the chemistry, right, that Charles and Kenny and Ernie have, whether they talk about the NBA or they're talking about other stuff. So my idea would be keep them together. They sure. could do the College Hoops, put them on the Turner slot, and then have the college hoops guys on the other channel. Why do we have to? I, to me, it'll never work mixing up college and NBA guys. Because in Jay Wright's defense, I don't think he's ever worked with Charles Barkley. No, or no, exactly, how, how, exactly. Yeah. So how is that gonna like? How is that gonna work? So why not just keep the inside the NBA guys together? Yes, they don't. They're not college guys, but I think people would still be interested in watching them because they're entertaining. And yeah, they don't. You know. And then let the college hoops guys have. You know, the, keep that group. I, I just think they
2: overcomplicated it, to be I I think I think Charles and Kenny and Ernie would be in Shaq. I know Shaq's never involved in the college stuff, but I think you know those three, they would kill a Manning-Cast-style broadcast for college mm, Yeah, If they did a Manning-Cast situation, second screen, where you got to hear Charles and Kenny and Ernie and, again, if Shaq wants to be in or somebody else, I think that would do some really big numbers because I agree with Eric. I think and I think that's why CBS does it though, right? Is cause they need a college credible voice on that, on that panel, right? Mm-hmm. Cause if not, it's just NBA guys. I'm okay with that. You're okay with that, Elo, but I don't, I don't know if the casual viewer is, is going to be okay with that. But if you put those two plus Ernie and plus Shaq or somebody else on a maining cast style broadcast, second screen for the for final four, I think that would do some really good numbers. Why haven't you called
1: Turner and CBS with this idea, Adam? They you can return my calls. Thing. I've been trying to call them forever,
2: Eric. I'm <laughs> pitching show ideas. I got nothing. I don't. I don't. I'm not. But well, remember, Adam's either. trying to get Lane Kiffin
0: on the football stage. That's true. Yes, side, so. That's working
2: true. on
1: that. Yeah, and, and of course now you bring it up too. They did the studio a little bit differently this year because usually in New York they have Ernie and and uh, Greg Gumbel split uh, the day between those guys and you know when and then with Ernie you know getting in with uh with Kenny and Charles that they get to play a little bit of some of that magic. But this year they had Ernie in Atlanta to to start out with and Greg full time in New York. So that was a little bit of a different uh, twist this year.
2: You know what, Jeff, every year I'm surprised and I understand money talks, right? I'm surprised the NBA is okay with them taking away basically the A-team for like three weeks and putting all that attention on college basketball. I know they pay a, a good amount of money, but I'm surprised the NBA is like, hey, hold on a second. Like, let's not devalue our product for three, four weeks while the college tournament's going on. I'm And maybe Adam Silver or somebody in the league office has said something before, but I'm surprised that the NBA has never been like, why do we get, you know, Russ Greenberg and uh, and Greg Anthony and Isaiah Thomas in studio. Like where where can we get some some actual attention here? I'm surprised that hasn't happened yet.
0: Well, you know why? Because I think Turner they would come back and say, well, when you guys guarantee that your star players are going to have load management, fair, fair. we'll we'll let, we'll put our guys back in the studio. Why can't our broadcasters have fair. load management ourselves? And the other thing Turner's done, they have the Tuesday night crew. So what happens is during the tournament they don't have games on Thursday. It's usually uh, sometimes on that Tuesday sneak them in. So that's kind of how they've, I think, circumvented that a little. bit. to your point, it's valid. But I think that's part of the reasoning for that.
1: Yeah. So definitely was a, a different twist. And then, uh, so Greg Gumble has re up with CBS. But is it is he only going to do March Madness? because cuz it sounds like he's off the NFL now.
0: And he might have, yeah, he's off the NFL and I'll be honest, I don't know how much longer he should be hosting cuz he still makes mistakes. He almost ruined the selection show. He made a mistake where he called out a school before the graphic came up. Yeah. And I and it's it's awkward. I'm like, "Oh my goodness." And I think he
1: And I think the, the graphic was it. wrong too, which didn't do him any favors. <laughs> right.
0: That was the thing. It was one of the two things. Something happened that was like very awkward for a moment and there was even one during the tournament where he mentioned there was a highlight, and I think he said the wrong score. I think he said Providence when it wasn't Providence. Like, oh, like, he, kind of similar mistakes he was doing in the NFL. I mean, to be honest, Ernie was the, is the better host. You, you know, I, I think moving forward, you're going to see more Ernie and less Gus. I mean, it's a valid question. I don't know what how much longer Greg wants to do it. I mean, he, he's a good host, Studio, but it's definitely his best days are behind him.
1: Yeah. I want to go back to that Kevin Harlan thing for a second. Since Adam brought it up, so Elo, you're right behind behind seeing this happen. And as a play-by-play guy, you know, okay, we have to emphasize the moments and not kill the moments. Um, what I, th- I thought it was very interesting how he did the the signal to the guys to lay out. I thought that was really cool.
0: Yeah, because that's the unwritten rule: is you you know when a big play like that happens, is lay out. The best ones do it; they're the best at doing it. And I think Harlan's like, hey, remember, lay out. Because sometimes the urge as an analyst is you jump right in. There's a certain cowboy quarterback that likes to do that a lot well, uh, that in the be? NFL. Only one? Hey, Jim! Jim! Yeah, Jim! Well, um, what's funny is Kevin Harlan was interviewed about that. He hated the fact that people showed that footage, that clip. Because yeah. he says it's like showing how the sausage is made. It was interesting that he, was, he didn't like that. Um, but it was just impressive how, you know, as play-by-play, he was in command of the situation and control. The analyst, it, it was beautiful visual. Yes, that is the rule. is a big play happens, you can call your shot and then lay out, especially in that because I was in that building covering the tournament. I've that The Amway Center was not as loud. It was loud as heck. I couldn't believe how many Furman fans were there, how many people were rooting for the upset. When that chaos happened on the turnover, that building went unglued. And I think Harlan figured, knew that, and can use that crowd noise that's where it helps on television. You can lay out because the crowd noise will tell you the story. It was really well done.
2: I, I thought two things about that video that were fantastic because we don't always see that side of the broadcast, right? I think one, the trust that that both the analysts had and Kevin to basically you know, be quiet, right? Because to Eric's point, an analyst has an ego, right? They're going to want to say something. They're going to want to get in there. And the fact that both the analysts trusted him enough to say, okay, he's got his arm out. Like, I'm going to do this thing. I actually thought the best thing was the look on Stan Van Gundy's face. Because he legitimately looked like, oh, my goodness, what did I just see? Like, he literally couldn't have formed words if he was supposed to at that moment in time. We don't often see that side of the broadcast. But it kind of humanized, like, you know, broadcasters are just like the fans at home. Like, their mouth is on the ground just like he may have been at your living room at the bar you were at. And I thought Stan Van Gundy's face was an utter look of shock and a disbelief of what he saw and i don't know if he could have spoken if if kevin Harlan went to him and said stan your thoughts i don't know if stan would have <laughs> had words at that point but i just thought it was really cool to see that's the exact same face a lot of people at home are making and and to eric's point broadcasters they're they're typically fans as well they know the sport as well they know when they see something big and you could kind of see on stan's face like oh my goodness i just saw something crazy that i've never thought i'd see before and that wasn't contrived it wasn't acting it wasn't you know, noises and gesticulations. It was a legit response. I thought that was really cool. To see.
1: Yeah, and a play that obviously is what makes the NCAA such a magical thing in March. It's just, you know, so that's definitely some uh, great stuff. So uh, let's switch over to golf, shall we? Hello, Jeff. Hello, friends. <laughs> and the budget's gone up
2: on this podcast.
1: Yeah, you know. Look at
2: the financial. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we will. We will the speak. In, <laughs> are blooming today.
1: <laughs> we will speak in hushed birds. tones throughout the Fake throughout birds this
2: are
1: <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff. So, we just have the concluded masters. So, Jim Dance goes from the final four to the masters as he does every year. And interestingly enough, it's a. It was an interesting tournament because we had the live guys. Taking part in it, and uh, that uh, provided a, a different kind of storyline, which they they didn't, uh, you know, they didn't really bring a lot of that to the light, except for maybe a, a little slide crack uh, that we'll talk about the the Jim made that uh, that was kind of funny, but uh, it's that's got to be an interesting aspect, you know, Eric, you go from one sport to the other, so you know, going from something like basketball to something like golf. You know, that's a very interesting broadcast transition for a guy to make.
0: And he does it as well as anybody. I mean, that's his sport. He's the greatest golf voice ever. Makes it easy. It's perfect. I mean, I can't imagine. How can you imagine a Masters without Jim Nance's voice on it, right? Like, he's synonymous with it. Uh, and he's a, he knows every golfer. He knows their backstory. Uh, he's on top of every moment. He knows that course. And, yeah, it's a, it's a – to me, CBS does an incredible job with the Masters. I, I watched it. I'm not, I don't watch as much golf uh, since Tiger declined. I was one of those that watched a lot when Tiger was dominating. But the Masters, like nobody does a better job with the camera angles, the conversation. Now, I think they're a little right now a little uh, weak in the analyst role with Nick Faldo retiring. I was not a big fan of Immelman, but... Overall, I mean it is great theater what they produce there with the limited and the Masters has complete control. They have only one year contracts. They sign only one year contracts with their broadcast partners because they want to have that leverage. So you mentioned why there was no mention of Live or anything. I guarantee you the Masters said we don't want any of that yeah. <laughs> mentioned. Uh not to mention the PGA Tour has a relationship with CBS. I'm sure they're like, Yeah, we don't want to mention anything live. So I think that was part of it. And I don't I expect the U.S. Open will be the same thing You're not going to hear much, uh, if at all, anything About live outside of a, gym, a Little, you know, CW joke Which, hey, we, who doesn't like a CW
1: joke here? <laughs>
2: It's pretty funny, <laughs> as much as the next guy. All right, I've got a couple of bones to pick with with the coverage. I've got one specific. Uh, so to be perfectly honest, this was my show topic idea. For some reason, later in my life, I have just leaned into golf. I don't know why. um So I'm glued to the Masters starting Thursday at eight a.m. I'm on ESPN Plus. And for those who maybe weren't paying attention, the weather was not great for this particular tournament. Right, a lot of rain on Friday, rain on Saturday. I understand right off the bat that's going to throw your broadcast schedule into some bit of upheaval. But here's here's the bone I'd have to pick. So for those who don't watch a lot of golf, a lot of times what what you'll get is you'll get a coverage of a featured group, right? So they'll follow a group around a course for the entirety of the course, and you see that specifically on either ESPN Plus, which broadcasts sort of the non CBS side, and the Masters app, which by the way, best app going out there. If you haven't. Download the Masters app. It's literally the best viewing app anyone has out there, hands down, bar none. And they only have it once a year, and they still nail it every year. I don't know how they do it, but so here's here's the setup. on On Friday there was some some rainouts, right? Trees actually fell in Augusta, which is uh, abnormal, and was really surreal to see trees laying on the 18th green, right? That was surreal. They come back Saturday morning uh, and they finish up the round right from Friday, so they finish up round two. The cut line is undecided, and they really basically go right into round three right there mid Saturday. Beginning mid-Saturday, we we clearly knew the two leaders were Brooks Kepka and John Rahm. That was the those were the two. They had distanced themselves by about four to five shots from everybody else. So I go to my ESPN plus app and I'm gonna watch the early portion, right? CBS's window starts at three Eastern. So it's like 10 a.m. or whatever. I'm gonna watch that particular round, right? I go to my featured groups I got Jordan Spieth leading one and I got Tiger Woods who barely made the cut by the way who's you know in a a downpour of rain limping around the course he's my other future group I cannot watch John Rom and Brooks Kepka play I can I literally can't see the leaders of the tournament playing indie golf at that moment in time right so whatever I'm gonna watch it because I'm a golf fan so I'm watching Tiger because like Eric big Tiger fan I want to see how he's doing right and then obviously that window stops and CBS window opens at three, Jim Nance comes on. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Masters, right? And an out, like, not even an hour in rain delay, they cancel it for the day. At that point, Jim says, you're in luck, viewers, because we were taping all morning. So we're now going to show you the coverage from the beginning of round three. So you had to wait until about 345, 4 o'clock Eastern to see Kepka and Rom play, even though they teed off around like 1130 a.m. Eastern. And everybody in America has smartphones. And I know you can't bring a phone on the grounds of Augusta. But there's a media center. There are people who are still watching who are able to tweet and text and do that kind of stuff. I have ESPN.com. I can see the leaderboard app. I know who's, who's wearing on what hole. But you had to wait almost four and a half hours to actually watch the leaders of the tournament play golf. I know why they did it. They want to protect that broadcast window. So CBS must have, have ha- got the rights to that then, Correct. didn't they? they? Oh, wow. Correct. This is, like, this is or, what tennis fans drive knew. nuts. Or they knew the rain was going to be bad. and Like, we're going to have to fill some hours here. So what's our play here? Let's show that part in our biggest viewing window. Again, I know why they do it, Elo. But as a as a viewer of, of sports, nothing drives me crazier. And Major League Baseball does this a lot as well. Jeff, you know this. But <clears throat> not letting me watch what I want to watch. Yeah. I'm here to watch your your event, and you're taking away the ability for me to watch parts of it, i.e., like a blackout in baseball. So that was my only quirk. And I know, Eric, to your point, CBS probably plays a role in that. I'm sure the Masters has a hand in that. But you have trust your viewers enough to go? You can watch the the ESPN Plus version at eleven, and if you if you're tuning in at three, you're still going to see it as well. So I basically couldn't watch uh, kept and Rom until four hours after the fact, in which point I already knew where they were, and that was the whole storyline from there. So that's my one my major gripe i have a minor gripe as well if we have time for this so eric actually hit on this with broadcasters when you get to the beginning of the masters jim comes on hello friends welcome back to the masters and he always runs through the cast of characters you know we have Vern lundquist on the 16th we have you know peter costas on the 7th we have andrew catalan on the 12th right he runs through those people ian baker finch was out there but then as the tournament goes on he throws it to somebody but he doesn't tell you who he threw it to and outside, I don't know about you guys, outside of Vern Lundquist and, and maybe Andrew Catalan, I don't know the difference between Ian Baker Finch and Peter Costas and Trevor Imelman. So I don't know who's talking to me. And as a viewer, I want to know like who am I getting the information for on, on the 15th hole that the lie is a little bit rough and it's in the second cut and we're gonna have to go who's telling me this? Is it you know Trevor Imelman, who's won majors who who's a good golfer? Is it Ian Baker Finch or is it a random reporter? I don't think like, w- the name yes. on the bottom. Yeah. Or throw it, to, hey, we're going to throw it down to Peter Costas on 16 here. Like, tell me who it is that I'm I'm hearing from, because I found myself a lot going, who's talking right now? Who Who is this? And by the time I figured it out, it was too late that, you know, the shot was hit, but that's my minor gripe. My major gripe is show me what I want to see. My minor gripe is tell me who's talking to me.
0: I'm Wow, that's a lot. Let me, let me address the first part there you just said.
2: A lot to unpack. With, yeah.
0: with, with all the graphics, you would think it'd be easy for them to just mention Vern Lundquist, 16 on the graphic, and solve that problem. Because that's what a lot of the uh, full disclosure on like, the ESPN broadcast, you know, if I don't say who my analyst is, it'll pop up frequently on the graphics, you know, commentators on the left corner of the ESPN broadcast. They should do that on the Masters. That would that would help Jim out on that. So I agree with that. Yeah. The, the ROM thing that you're talking about, you just hit you hit home with me because I'm a diehard tennis fan. And for years and years, tennis did the exact same thing yeah. you just described where they would yep. not show you a tennis match. NBC was the with the biggest manipulator in this. They would yep. not show you if it was Serena Williams. Or, We're not going to show you this match because it's going to air on tape delay on this channel, whatever. Tennis does that all the freaking time. Olympics, it, too.
1: Olympics, same thing. Olympics. Oh, yeah, that's
0: another one. So it sounds to me – I had no idea about this until you just described it. It sounds like CBS – Took a page out of the Olympic and NBC tennis coverage playbook of let I we will let you have this coverage because the the schedule changed. So my guess is there was an agreement reached. Well, we'll let ESPN carry Saturday, but they can't show Kepka and Rom. In return, we want that exclusivity. That's what happened there, Adam. I guarantee it. That was the negotiation, and that what happened, because it's happened with the Olympics, as Jeff mentioned, and it happens all the time in tennis coverage, which drives me nuts.
2: Yeah, yeah and I, I mean, everyone knew the weather was going to be bad. Everyone was saying, hey, we're going to have a tough weather day, so – I'm, I'm sure CBS knew going into that broadcast day. We got a small window of time, and we're going to get delayed at some point. What are we going to show for four and a half hours now without <laughs> any live golf? Are we going to replay the 2021 Masters or the 20 Masters? Sure, you could, but those aren't going to rate as well, right? So I think it was a decision to say ESPN can have Spieth and in, in Woods in the future group, and they're going to draw numbers, right? I mean, those are two big names in golf. You're still going to get people watching that. Plus, to be fair, ESPN Plus also had – I think they do holes four, five, and six. And then they had Amen Corner, so you can just watch those holes, or you can follow those particular groups. So you had good content there. I'll give I'll give them that. There was ability, but I think CBS was like, "We got four and a half hours of Failure Friends. What are we gonna do? Let's save this, you know, the Rom and Kepka stuff. Let's play that in the afternoon." But here's the thing, fellas: this is not 1980s U.S. Hockey Olympics, right? Like, we have so many devices at our disposal now. Treat your viewers with a little bit of dignity. Let us watch what we want to watch, right? I'm paying for ESPN Plus. I'm paying whatever. Whatever the, if it's six or seven or nine, whatever it is now, like give me the courtesy of letting me watch what I want to watch. If it was free, like the Masters app is, I could then argue to you, okay, you know what? Like you're getting a free app, take it and like it. I'm paying for ESPN Plus, I'm paying for the right to watch these things. Don't then take away as a paying customer the ability to watch the event that I was told I could watch. I think that's. I could have I would have loved some explanation on that or again treat viewers with a little bit of respect and let us let us watch what we want to watch.
0: Let me ask you this. What what, let me ask you this? What if CBS would have come back and said you can watch Rom and and the leaderboard, but you gotta go to Paramount Plus to watch it live. Because that's probably Hmm. where we might be headed with this if this happens in the future.
2: Interesting. As, as a, as a golf nerd, I would probably switch over to Paramount Plus and, and I'd watch that round. Yeah. I know. I agree that not everybody would. Like I'm sure you would, you might, Elo, for a great tennis match, go, you know what, I'm, I am I want to see this. I'm in on this. So if you had told me that was an option, I, I probably would have done that. But that's a, that's a fair call to say, how does CBS put it kind of behind their paywall or get something recouped back from their perspective? But I just thought that was a miss on the part. It wasn't even on the Masters app either. So neither the Masters app nor ESPN Plus had it, which makes me think, Eric, it was certainly a CBS Masters decision to say, hey, this is how we're going to handle Absolutely. the rain delay yeah. in this future group.
1: Yeah. How, are you, yeah. how are we, yeah. How are we going to, how are we going to manipulate the afternoon? Yeah. You know, just be a little more transparent, too. I mean, that's, you know, it does kind of yeah. insult the audience
2: intelligence, in my opinion. And of course, you know, you and, brought and to, it to your point about the live guys, the, the point about your live guys, too, by the way, Jeff, quickly. So I, I read that Phil Mickelson declined to do a, a pre tournament press conference. So they, they, they essentially on, on Tuesday, Wednesday, they bring all the guys up in certain days. Mickelson declined to do the pre conference, the pre uh, tournament conference. I also read someplace, don't know if it's true, that he was asked after a round for an interview. He declined that as well. Now, Phil obviously is kind of in a weird space, right? He's kind of a quasi pariah on the PGA tour. So I don't know if he was just trying to lay low. You certainly saw all you need to see of Brooks Kepka, which has got to drive live crazy because he's the one guy who's not decked out in live golf gear. He's not decked out in their team stuff. He was the only one that still had all his original sponsor stuff on. So that had to drive live crazy. You saw Patrick Reed out there a little bit on Sunday when he was making his charge. You got plenty of Phil on Sunday making his charge. I don't think they ignored the live guys. I just think the storylines just didn't include them until late. Yeah. But I also think Phil bowed out and would have been, would have had opportunities to get in front of the microphone.
1: Oh, I would well, imagine, I-, I would imagine that, uh, that the, the fine folks at the Masters probably had a little conversation with Phil saying, if you want to keep being invited back, <laughs> don't raise any
2: noise but I, here. See, I think I think Phil wants to lay, like, again, I wasn't there. Nobody was, by the way. Uh, spoiler alert, I don't go to the Champions Dinner. But from every account that was out there, it seemed like what the reports were is that, that Phil was quiet at the champions dinner, which for those who don't know, every Tuesday they have a dinner before the tournament with, with all the past winners. The, the the last year's winner sets the menu and it's a big kind of gala event. Phil as the previous winner is always invited from what the reports were. Phil sat on the, on the corner and was very quiet all night. I think Phil is trying to specifically take a bit of a, more quiet demure role particularly around these tournaments just because I don't I don't know if he knows what the tenor around his um his legacy is right now
0: well let me come let me counter with this and by the way Jeff we make a note of this now we now know that we got we could do golf break uh tv coverage here. yeah yeah um do you believe something in the conspiracy that cbs purposely did not show Phil Mickelson as he was making his run on sunday moved up the leaderboard it's phil mickelson who you'd argue has been the second best TV draw ratings-wise behind only Tiger Woods. And yet they didn't really show every yeah. shot from Phil Mickelson. They kind of, hey, look, by the way, look at Phil. Oh, They didn't go every shot. I think if he wasn't on live – they might have shown every shot as he's making his push because they would have done that if it was Tiger. Do you think that's a live conspiracy theory there? Is that or is this one of those things where they got caught sleeping in the wheel? Well, where, that, where are you where are you staying on that?
1: Now that
2: you mention that, you
1: know, I think they probably sure show, showed more Speith, who was his partner that day. 1000%. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I you thought I, I think there's no conspiracy. I think that's a that's a dead fact <laughs> Elo is that they were purposely trying to to offer the coverage in a way that that Slanted more towards the tour guys than the live guys, right? You had nothing. You had no choice with Kepka. He was in the lead group, but I think that was the, all of the, the live tolerance threshold. I think was met at the Kepka level. And I think anything above that, they're like, and hey, there's Patrick Reed. Oh, that went in anyway. Back to 17. Like, I think they just click quickly wanted to get those guys mentioned. But to your point, Eric, you couldn't ignore Phil, right? Because he's such a big name. Like, you could have probably ignored the run Patrick Reed made. Yeah, he was he was in fourth place at one point in time in the leaderboard, I think it was minus 7 or minus 8, right? So he was two or three shots back. You could have ignored him the entire time and nobody would have cared. But you couldn't ignore Mickelson minus 8 on a leaderboard without showing something. But I agree with you. If this had been a regular PGA Tour event with no live involvement and live's not a thing, that is it's probably double shot, right? It's probably like fill in a corner box with the ROM teeing off, right? It's probably that level of coverage. Yeah, especially when a guy's scorching at the leaderboard like he was uh, in that
1: particular instance. Yeah. Um, of course, you mentioned uh, Uncle Vern, uh, you know, made his cameo with the Masters. And, you know, and this is really like a perfect spot for Vern to do a cameo because of the way golf is. And, of course, he is the a a master at capturing things in just a few words. So it's always kind of nice to see Vern Lindquist back get a little memory lane my, trip.
2: My only problem with my only problem with Vern is Happy Gilmore has ruined Vern as a <laughs> golf announcer for me just because every time I hear it I'm like is there going to be any any chance he drops out a Happy Gilmore reference but always always good to see Vern on the Again, I, I like, I, Elo said, I think CBS does, does golf better than anybody else. I think they do it better than NBC. I think they do it better than ESPN, ABC. I think they do the best job with golf. Um, I think their announcers have to get a little bit better. Like Phil would have been a perfect announcer, by the way, had he not kind of ruined his legacy at this point, right? Um, I think they've got to figure out who the Nick Faldo replacement is. I thought Illumin was okay. Like he didn't, he didn't wow me with his intellect or anything, but he wasn't, he wasn't dreadful by any stretch. Um, but I do think that they've got to shore up that that lead analyst role on the on the golf side for CBS.
1: And they've had a lot of turnover in their ranks too, because you know they parted ways with David Faraday and 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 Gary McCord, and and, and you know try to get a more younger set of guys in there. And you know I get you know Frank Nobolo is another one of the guys that they calls, But again, Adam wouldn't know that because nobody said his name. <laughs> so um, fair.
2: Yeah, no, uh, I saw his name on the graphic at the beginning.
1: Yeah, time. so. Y- you know, it, I think they're still trying to find their footing uh, with their coverage. And, and even still, they're better than the others as they try to find their way through this. So I think that speaks a lot to their to their production values and things like that. They, And, you know, and they have yeah. Nance
2: holding it together. I'm not done with golf, though, gentlemen. For some odd reason, this is straight out of a page of me watching the big three. I happened to stumble upon a Live Golf event on the CW a few weeks back. Same. living channels. Of course and you guys yeah. did.
0: Oh, man.
2: And there's Live Golf on, so I had to watch it. So, Eric, have you seen a Live broadcast at all yet? No, I've not. Okay. Jeff, you have seen it, right? So let me just describe for you, Eric, my, my biggest pet peeve. So imagine a full screen like you're on here, right? Most, you know, uh, CBS has a little like opaque box in the bottom right corner with the leaderboard. Some people have the crawl on the bottom. Liv has a vertical top to bottom, like three fourths in the screen leaderboard that's that's black. Although it's a little opaque, it's it's basically black. It's like NASCAR. And it takes up the middle part of the screen. And it's not, it's not even like your full name. If for you, it would say it would just say L O P. right. So it doesn't even tell you like Lopez or, or Allen, like it's initials and like you don't know who's hitting. And then like they pop up, like let's say you're number 21. They pop your name up to the top and show like Lopez hitting. But again, it's just LOP. You don't know who you are. And then behind that, they have the names of the teams. So each of these guys is attached to a team. So they're tracking the individual and then they're tracking the team. And next to the guy, they have the team logo. I don't know the names of any of these teams, so I'm just trying to figure out, like, oh, Sergio's got the pink thing. All right, the pink thing's in second. I guess they're doing okay. I couldn't. The whole lead, they got to figure that part out. And then the camera coverage was terrible. I, I think they have, Jeff, tell me if you disagree, two cameras max per hole. <laughs> like, you're getting basically the tee shot, and then you're getting a wide green shot, and that's it. And even if you're on the fairway, they're zooming in from the green shot to capture them on fairway. The entire thing was completely bizarre. If you want to grow traction for Live. And let's I mean, let's face it. They have good golfers. I don't think there's ever been a sense that they don't have good golf. They have good golfers. You saw Brooks Kaplan. You saw Patrick Reed. You saw Phil Mickelson. But the way they present their tournaments, I can't imagine a viewer at home is going to be like, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to be in on watching this. If you watch the Masters this Sunday, which, again, gold standard, I get it. And then go watch the live event this week. By the way, anybody know where live is playing this next tournament? I have no idea. I know they're going to Australia. DC. Of course, you don't know. right? I know they're, going to, they're going to DC somewhere at they're some point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're mopping up the the Masters run. Phil got all riled up for the Australian tour run that's coming up here. But <laughs> if they don't figure out a presentation, there, I don't know how you're going to watch that thing on TV. It's not a consumable product.
1: I think I have a very good description of the presentation. Um, so as you mentioned, their their leaderboard. It's like it's like NASCAR. You know, if you it, you know, I I don't watch a lot of racing, but. You know, they they take up, but all it's them. not on the
2: side, Jeff. Like, I'm I'm okay with it's on the side, and then you get the rest of the picture. Yeah, it's literally in the in the middle of the picture. It's three fourths down the down the, yeah. the left side yeah. of the picture. You like, you see golf, you see bar, you see more golf. Like they didn't even figure out a way to like hide it. Someplace. Yeah, the,
1: yeah. So basically, you get a four three screen
2: of yeah. the action yeah. is how is how, yeah.
1: that, is how that looks. So, and their graphics are very splashy, very you know. Artsy, whatever you want to say it. What it reminds me of was when ESPN Two launched because they had all these funky graphics and and that's things fair. like that. That and I kept expecting when they went to David Faraday that he would be wearing Keith Olbermann's old leather jacket.
2: Can't prove he wasn't. By the way. You <laughs> could see him on camera. I <laughs> don't know if cameras to show Faraday, so you couldn't prove. Did they
0: wasn't. at least introduce who where who was in each hole?
2: Well, that's the thing. So again. As a golf person, right? Like they do a shotgun start. So, for those who aren't familiar with a shotgun start, basically everybody lines up one through 18 and at 145, the whole tournament starts, right? In, In other golf tournaments, you start on one tee and they do groups that kind of follow afterwards. So, it was really hard to follow that because everybody was going at the same time you could you would think they could turn that into like a red zone style of a broadcast where they're they're picking that out but it seemed like the day i watched they were following certain individuals like i didn't see a single shot from Brooks kepka in the entire time i watched for the like an hour i watched i saw abraham answer like all day long <laughs> you've had Lily really bad in luck with bruce all Koepka, day apparently <laughs> I, I could not well he didn't play well so maybe that's why but i they could have taken more advantage of that shotgun start i, I to me they they didn't the the goal of that is to to have more action a lot more going on more opportunity to flip between holes who's got a good shot who had a good shot off the tee i don't think they have the infrastructure to pull that off
1: i don't think they have whole announcers i think it's just the three guys in their correct. mobile studio yeah. yeah so it's it's a
2: it's a bare bones
0: great if i'm the pac 12 by the way i'm just saying this, yeah, this is what we're getting on cw
2: yeah <laughs> there you well, go on tv don't forget Ion, on <laughs> yeah
1: that's a whole yeah that but yeah if I was more than shocked when I when I when I came across the the the, the live tournament. It was like, this is interesting, kinda. Well,
0: congrats <laughs> like, to I both assume. of you for finding it. Congrats to Thank both you. of you to yes. find it because not many have. So congrats. that's
2: so fair. I got to assume and listen. Let's all be honest here. Like the players who went to live win for the money, right? We can all talk about they want to grow the game and they think golf is a team sport. We all know they win for the money, right? there was no chance that anyone showed them what the broadcast would look like, right? Like I can't imagine that anybody who signed up was like, this is how you're going to view me. Now, when you got a hundred million dollars in the bank guaranteed, maybe you don't give a rip what you look like on TV, but man, like I can't imagine somebody is like, that's what the broadcast. Oh, okay. Like that, that had to have been a detail left out of contract.
1: Yeah. And, and talking about the contrast. I kind of brought, brought this up before you guys came on the show. So Kepka is, Wins the live tournament here in Orlando, Orange County National looked awful. It was, I mean, that course looked burnt,
2: you a know. little bit below Augusta, just a one, yeah, <laughs>
1: yeah. just a little bit, yes. Uh, and you know they've got the they've they got the party music going on and stuff like that. I mean, it, it, I did I did hear from a friend of mine who knew some people who went. Their failure was that you had to wait thirty minutes to get a beer. So. <laughs> <laughs> So the, so the, in-person, yeah, the in-person in person the in person experience was not good in some respects too. But uh yeah, that was uh that was definitely uh a different kind of broadcast and Eric we're glad that we were Hill. able to
0: uh, it was it was not Bay then is what you're telling me the Orlando oh,
1: version no, of the outside. No no no. It was it was just plain brutal. it, it I think
2: might be an understatement. I know you, you we both aren't aren't huge golf followers, but I got to believe right now, if you gave Brooks Kepka a do-over, he's gone from living on the PJ too. and I'm wondering how many other guys would follow us through. Like, I got to imagine right now, if Brooks could get out with no contractual, no money owed, I think he'd go to BJ in a heartbeat.
1: I've heard the other theory is that Liv is perfect for him because now he only wants to play the majors anyway, so this kind of works with well, the way he... Schedules.
2: It's possible. I mean, again, I'm more inside golf. Yeah. Net- Netflix had a special called Full Swing where they follow golfers around. And there was an episode with Bruce Kepka that was actually really, really good from a sports perspective. He'd just come off knee surgery and he's talking to his wife and his friends. And he's basically like, I don't think I can compete anymore. I'm not healthy enough. My mind's not right. I cannot compete anymore in the PGA tour. I may be done at whatever young age I'm at. Liv comes over, offers him like whatever, you know, 100 million guaranteed, and I think he saw it as a retirement thing. Like, okay, you know what? I might as well take some money and go play some golf, right? I think that he's healthy now, though, Jeff. I think he knows now I can compete with these dudes. Like, I should be on this tour week in and week out, competing for trophies, competing for championships. Um, and I, I, I think that competitive juice, at least in him specifically, I think if he got a do-over, he. I don't think Phil would take a do-over. I don't think, you know. Uh, you know, Harold Varner would take a do over, right? I don't think Ian Poulter would take a do over. I think Brooks would take a do over tomorrow.
1: Yeah, uh, I, I think you're right on Brooks for sure. Because yeah, he 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 has found him. He has found his way back, and now he's kind of stuck. Unless he wants to pay all that money back, <laughs> just because I guess that's the deal if you decide to to, to leave live, is you got to pay the money back. I
2: don't back. think you want <laughs> to cross that particular funding group, uh, you <laughs> and Jeff, if you, can, if you can avoid it. Just, I'll leave it at that. It's
1: yeah, fine. no problem. Yeah. So let's uh, switch over to some baseball. Like- all right. So we've had a little bit of movement uh, to talk about as far as play-by-play announcers go. And as uh, as it turns out, uh, Chip Carey left my Atlanta Braves to go be the voice of the St. Louis Cardinals, and uh, I had Chip Carey on this very here podcast a few weeks ago, getting a ding for myself. I've had him on oh. three years in a row, so okay, uh, so you know, uh, goes back uh, from you know when I knew him in his Orlando Magic days, which is another testimony to my age, but. Uh, so Chip goes to St. Louis, and one of the things he did, you know, he, he said he really thought he would spend the rest of his career in Atlanta. Um, but St. Louis opened up. He's from St. Louis. That's where he was born. And it was an opportunity to go home. And, you know, he, he became interested and piqued by that. He also intimated there were some challenges with working for the Braves and Valley sports. He would not elaborate, but uh, – and I didn't push him because I want to get him on in, in the future. So, you know, I, I did my, my Pat McAfee deal there. So, so he were, felt were like. Were wearing a tank top at that time? <laughs> <laughs> Nobody wants to see that. Uh, so he basically intimates that, you know, he would be happy staying, but he wasn't as happy as he had been. So St. Louis opens up and he, and he makes that, he makes that move there. Obviously his grandfather had worked there at one time. So there is that lineage and all that, but you think about his career, you know, he's worked for the Cubs, the Cardinals, and you can say in the last 30 years, you know, the Braves have been, you know, one of the elite franchises. So that's pretty good luck, you know, getting to work in, in, in those environments. He's replaced in Atlanta by Brandon Gordon who uh, uh, did a lot of work from Fox. Uh, he, I know he did a lot of college basketball, and I guess he is uh, from that area, and the Braves' job was his dream job. So isn't it funny how life works out uh, sometimes? So. I know you guys probably don't watch a lot of these guys. You know, I don't I don't see, I don't see I don't see uh, Adam and Eric watching a lot of Brazen Cardinals games. I could be wrong, but uh I'm watching uh, I'm watching the Live Tour, Jeff. I don't <laughs> have time for that.
0: <laughs> he's all in. Uh
1: he's in he's trying
0: to find Bruce Kepke. Can't find him on ESPN plus, can't find him on C N and can't find him anywhere <laughs> except on reality team, show.
2: Team smash on the Live Tour, I'm with you.
0: <laughs> but the Chip Carey thing, right? It's kind of full circle, the Carey family with the Cardinals. I yep. mean, it seems to have been well-received so far from what I can tell. Yes, I haven't really seen a Braves game yet, so I'll defer to you, Mr. Braves guy. But what? I don't know what the transition's been like, but it seems like Chip thing has worked out well in the St. Louis area
2: anyway.
1: Yeah, I, I, I think that is the case. Um, and one of the things he said was that the, the caught me interesting, I think this kind of alluded to some of his being a little disgruntled in Atlanta was he. He said, "Well, I've told I've told anybody that's interviewed me regarding the Cardinals, and uh, that you know the the St. Louis Cardinal fans are going to get get the real Chip Carry, you know. Now I don't know what that means, uh, but he says you're going to either love me or hate me. So I don't know if he's going to you know reincarnate his granddaddy's act or not, <laughs> but uh, he promises a little bit different version of him. Now I, I've watched a couple of games, haven't." Haven't really seen him stray away from what he normally does. Now he's working with new pro- broadcast partners, so I'm sure there's probably some, you know, some growing and getting used to each other and getting that uh, getting that cadence down. But uh, I found that to be found that to be a very interesting comment on, on his part.
2: Yeah, look, I'd be disingenuous if I told you I've, I've been watching a ton of Braves and Cardinals. Oh. But on face value, what I know about it sounds like a win-win. To your point, Jeff, like everyone kind of landed where they wanted to land in the spot they want to land in. I think the two bigger picture items for me are, are this one. um, Obviously for those who aren't aware, the Bally sports stuff is getting interesting, right? Their, yes. their parent company is filing for bankruptcy. They're not paying certain teams right now, particularly in baseball. I think it's the twins didn't get paid. I think the I think they're the guardians now. I don't think they got paid. So there, there's going to be some upheaval with the, the regional sports networks and, and how that works and perhaps working for a valley product in atlanta makes chip a little uncomfortable as it probably would any of us if you saw what was going on that may be an issue but i think my my bigger question here is and again we all harken back to a different time in in baseball right i think the era of your 50 60 year synonymous with the team announcer thing i think that era is done like i think we're just past the part where you're gonna have a you know, a Harry carry with a team for X number of years, right? You're going to have, you know, some of these guys that have been with teams for such a long time that their voice is synonymous. I just think we're done with that era with, with streaming, with shorter contracts, with networks being sold, with, you know, different entities picking up different things, paywalls, I, th- I think we're done of the era where you're going to see something like that happen anymore. And, and this is kind of a good example of it, where to your point, Jeff, you could have seen a situation situation where Chip Carey retires as the Braves announcer, right? Does until he's 75, 80 years old and leaves the booth and goes to have a good time. But I, I don't think we're set up that way anymore, particularly in baseball um, with all the upheaval going on from a broadcast standpoint.
1: Yeah. There does seem to be a lot of movement uh, amongst baseball teams and announcers Changing and switching teams, guys coming in that uh, you know, like you know, Matt Vasgersian has kind of gone in and out with some teams, done it part time, you know, things like that. So I, you know, uh, uh, I think Rich Waltz, you know, uh, you yeah. know who who should still be the Marlins announcer in my should opinion. The guy, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, he's he's done some part time stuff with some other teams. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think I, I
2: think the the larger picture. I think it's very clear this year with baseball in general. Right, you can tell there's a shift to try to attract a new audience right try to get new viewers in younger viewers right you see with the apple plus stuff they're bringing in you know recently retired players like a Dontre willis right you're seeing them bring in sort of the quote-unquote younger guys i think it harkens back to an era where again for for us growing up baseball was you know four seconds of talking 10 seconds of dead air eight seconds of talking 10 seconds of dead air right and we were used to that where i think now this generation wants to be entertained every second they're on a broadcast, right? They wanna they wanna have the freeze running in the background. They now they have the pitch clock coming up, right? And I just think broadcasters that are from a different era aren't connecting or or, or executives don't think they can connect with audiences like that. And I think you're seeing that switch to to younger broadcasters. And let me just say it because we're all thinking it, cheaper broadcasters, right? Um, you know, Chip Carry is gonna demand a salary different than, you know, your first year guy at a triple A, right? So if you're in a a cost cutting business and you're not making as much as you used to, Chip Carry had one valuation and Geo Schmo had another, you know, I think you roll the dice and go, Hey, we'll go with the young guy and figure it out.
1: Yeah. It is it is interesting. So uh, uh I've 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 listened to Brandon Gauden a few times. I like what I hear. You know, it's taking getting used to because you know, And like you said, the the era of your long, you know, for years, you know, is Ernie Skip and Pete with the Braves forever. You know, we had that for a long time, with Chip coming. You know, and you know this is like the first time in almost fifty years a carry hasn't been on a Braves broadcast. So
2: it's a it is definitely a changing changing the guard there. So MLB. Tomorrow, uh, tomorrow, Rick Pitino, Vin Scully's not walking through that door. Yes. Like that's, just, that, yes. that's just how, yes. that's just how it's going, unfortunately.
1: Yeah. You know, really like uh, what is, is Euchre the last guy with the Brewers that is that long tenured broadcaster that can go almost a half a century. That's really what it comes well, to The mind. other
0: problem is now is TV is dominant. It used to be, you're know, the radio guy. He can last forever. It's no big deal. It's now more and more people are tuning into the television side of things there's constant movement in television like Adam has addressed. Uh, there's guys that move on nationally. There's guys that move on to different markets. It's no different than players and coaches moving on to different franchises, right? It's just, just the same thing. We're seeing that on the national level yeah. we, we, and more and more now on the broadcasting side. I mean, we saw what the, the last offseason was, if you call it an offseason, with Buck and Aikman going to uh, Monday night football and, and the transactions there. So I, I think that's just part of the trend and, true with the uncertainty of where these local teams are going to have their games after this season. I think this year they're fine, but after next this year, who knows where these games are going to be airing.
1: Yeah. And interestingly enough, if you're if you're a baseball fan, the MLB TV app is tremendous. I mean, you know, it's 150 bucks, you get a whole season, so the value is definitely there. They actually have audio overlay. You can overlay the audio of Oh, the I home have team yeah, broadcast, and I yep. use I use that a lot. It, you know, I have it.
0: Yeah. it's very good. Uh, the only negative there, Adam, though, is they don't show Bruce Kepka there either.
2: Really. <laughs> so, he, he could probably hit a long ball. I'm not gonna lie to you. I mean, he probably hit 300.
0: <laughs> Marlins can use him. I would wish as a Marlins high player. exit velocity. Not a hockey, not a hockey <laughs> fan, though.
2: Not a hockey fan from what I saw recently. But he, he might be a baseball fan. I don't know.
1: <laughs> so so yeah so so yeah I use that overlay quite a bit. And because I like radio broadcasts of baseball Uh, always have, I love the Braves radio broadcast crew. You know, it's, it's like, it just feels so comfortable to listen to. So I would recommend people do that from time to time because it it does give you a a different perspective as far as that goes. So, uh, so a little bit of movement there. So now, um, you know, we're, we're talking about uh, streaming and things like that. So that brings us to our uh, next topic. So NFL Sunday tickets, YouTube TV, the pricing is a bit of an (laughs) eye-opener compared to what it was on DirecTV. Uh, So there are some early bird things happening. If you are a YouTube subscriber, you can get it for what amounts to half of what they will charge if you buy later and are not, Uh, you know, it's almost 500 bucks. Uh, at the at that level, and it's right two fifty right now. There, so they're doing a hundred dollars off. If you're a YouTube subscriber, if you miss that window, it's like three fifty, which is just a little bit more than what Directv was charging uh, for their package. So, this will be an interesting aspect. I mean, I'm looking at this now because one, I haven't paid for Sunday Ticket in several years because I always game the system. Um, so, there's been that aspect you know, the old call and cancel routine. Um so
2: is the statute of limitations run out on that, Jeff? I mean
1: <laughs> Yeah, see I'm not a YouTube subscriber, so and I think if I say okay. I'm gonna cancel, they're gonna say Give well, say just, just
2: say allegedly next time you're Yes. are
1: yes. So this'll be this'll be interesting to see how, how how this plays out because as a Cowboys fan, okay, I'm gonna get them on over the air TV probably eleven, twelve times out of the seventeen game schedule. Do I want to pay the f- freight for five games? Um, you know, that's you know, I, I would I miss the Red Zone channel, yes. Um, but you know, those other five games, I can flip on SiriusXM and listen to the radio call if if I if I if I need to get my fix. So because I'm I am I have no appetite for going out to a bar to watch game anymore, and I'm not even sure how that's going to work now with the streaming. And how they're going to distri- distribute that uh, for, for? Well, they're
0: probably they're going to do they're going to do a similar deal that what Amazon did, where they'll reach a deal with the bars, where they'll give them the basically the access where they can have the broadcast and not be like, oh, we got to dial up our computer. They'll have it over a channel or something, and the bars will be able to use it. That's what Amazon did. Okay. last year, so I would expect the same thing to happen. But Jeff, I don't you didn't think the NFL actually was going to strike a deal with YouTube to give you a discount, did you? No, I didn't think
1: that. I was just hoping. Sounds like you do. No, 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 no. I was just hoping it wasn't going to be as costly as uh, as it's going to be.
2: Here's what I don't know, and I haven't done a ton of research on this because, I, I, to full transparency, I, I have no interest in buying the package. Again, we've talked about this. I'm a Cowboys fan. the The curse of being a Cowboys fan is I get to watch us lose every week on on regular television, <laughs> so I don't have to worry about getting all that stuff. And the games I can't see. I have I have the the Sunday or the um the red zone package through uh, NFL network, right? So through a basic cable package, I watch that. I actually enjoy the Scott Hansen version. And if the Cowboys are actually ever threatening to score, I can actually see that on the red zone. So I'm okay with that. So the five, six games I can't watch. I can follow along enough on the red zone to be okay with it. Here's what I don't know. Maybe maybe I didn't read enough and you two can educate me. What am I getting something new? From from for more money, am I getting additional features? Am I getting something? Am I getting something different? Like I had I, I had hoped, like imagine what they would do if you could just buy a team, right? I, I can just buy the Cowboys, right? I can I can pay for some sort of add-on to it. Am I getting something new with this? Because if I'm paying the exact same price to be probably a tad bit more inconvenience, because I have to now figure out how to get streamed to my television. Not that it's hard to do. We can all figure it out, but it's a it's a couple extra steps, right? Um there's buffering, there's lag time, there's a couple of inconveniences, although minor. I think I saw a chart that YouTube TV was like 50 something seconds behind the Super Bowl in real time that was like the third best I think in terms of, of the streaming devices. Um, but what am I getting different? Am I getting anything more for my money? So basically they have offered, you know, some some four
1: box options, I think is is part of that. Um, what is some of the other things they have? Uh, they say let me run down the pricing because I think this is interesting. Oh, so no, it sounds like okay. Yeah, so you are, are are either a YouTube uh, subscriber. Yes, I'm a, a YouTube subscriber, and I
0: subscribe to Sons of UCF.
2: I have a, YouTube yeah, I have a popular YouTube <laughs> channel, Jeff.
1: Yeah, for sure. Yes, and uh, I started a YouTube channel too. So please please uh, like and subscribe as well. Shameless plug. Uh, <laughs> you so, uh, YouTube subscribers two forty nine per season if you purchase by June sixth, three forty nine after. per season if you uh, bundle with the Red Zone and buy by June 6th. $389 for the season if you bundle with Red Zone after June 6th. Non subscribers. $349 per season if you get by June 6th. $449 per person after June 6th. If you bundle with Red Zone, it's $389 per season before June 6th and $489 after June 6th. That's a hefty amount that, you know.
2: Sounds like subscriptions are going to go up if I'm, I'm here. It's that a, a lot
1: to pay to
0: watch a Texans-Jaguars game yeah. oh, as an option. There. I'll tell yeah. You.
2: Do you? Um, I,
0: I I I'm with Adam. By the way, I don't. I'm a red zone guy. I have the Scott Hansen package as well. Uh, I'm so I I part of me wonders if the Sunday ticket's a little outdated now because to Adam's point with Thursday night football, Monday night football, Thursday night they just announced that now a team can play on Thursday night twice, which you know what that means. More Dallas Cowboys football on primetime, guys. Congrats. <laughs> so, but I I kind of don't like, you know, in the Nash with the windows, the way they're set up. I mean, you're pretty much seeing the marquee teams pretty frequently without it now. I feel it's outdated. I could be wrong. I'll defer to you guys, but that's my only thoughts on that.
2: Yeah, I think it's one of those situations, Elo. If you're a fan of a smaller market, you know, not as, not as, as, um, you know, not as good, I guess. Frankly, uh, a team, uh, Texans. I, I live here in Jacksonville, right? A Jaguar team, although they've got some young players. I could see them getting some 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 prime time realm in those Thursday games or something like that. But if you're a fan of a middling team that's in a small market, a Carolina Panthers. Right. I could see it being something where you almost needed to watch, but I think the majority of the NFL teams, you know, the big 10 or the big 12, or you want to call those teams, not the college conference, but the actual teams, I think you probably can get away without having Sunday ticket and catch enough on, on Scott Hanson red zone. And then through the Thursday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and all the other random games going on, I think you can probably catch enough there.
1: Yeah. So some of the features, uh, and They don't really go into life. So key plays and multi view. Okay, so all right, multi view is not really anything new. I mean, Directv had four box, uh, sometimes up to eight box uh, multi viewing. So that's not really anything new. Um, you know, they're they're pushing you know integrations for buying merchandise, social features, stuff like that. I would I would be more interested if there was a team only. Purchase option that would be that would be fantastic. Right, the
0: NBA has that with League Pass as an option. Uh, where you could get your own team pay yeah. only for that. Yeah, uh, a certain amount. I don't think baseball doesn't uh, have that. Uh, if I understand, as I recall,
1: no. And and their package and their package is so inexpensive. I mean. Yeah. yeah. It, and you, you get everything. So uh, I
0: feel, yeah. So I don't know. I, I feel, Adam, like we're being used in this segment just to see if we either talk Jeff into buying this or not buying it. You I feel might do. Like this is an
1: intervention.
2: <laughs> this is like an intervention. Pop. Look, I'm expecting he's going to have a promo code, like you know, type in Jeff Allen at a checkout, get 10. Like, if this is an affiliate deal at some point, and We're going to type in Jeff Allen at checkout and get like 10 bucks off or something.
1: And if it gets me free uh, Sunday ticket, sure, why not?
0: <laughs> so the next time, Je- Adam, that we're on with Jeff and he starts promoting the NFL ticket, now
2: we know what happened. <laughs> now we know what, I gotcha, yep. There you, know, you go. Instruct- but no,
1: it, but, you know, I am asking questions because I don't subscribe to YouTube TV. Uh, you know, I might do a trial and see, you know, uh, I, I'm, I'm a little, you know, streaming is kind of a, a love hate thing. You know, I, I love some of the aspects of it, but you know, the fact that you have to buy so many different things to get everything that you kind of want is, is a bit irritating. Um, but I will say this and, uh, this will be a nice little plug for, for ELO. I love ESPN plus that's, that is the bomb. Thank you for
2: that. I yeah, appreciate
1: that. Yeah. Uh, you know, just the, the multitude of things that you can watch are uh, outstanding.
2: I will Jeff Allen, a checkout
1: for ESPN plus deals. <laughs> I am in the wrong line of business. <laughs> yeah. New career started. Uh, got options. Yes. So uh, I don't have any, any music, so we're going to go straight into the sports Emmys without any musical introduction. So I thought we would run down somebody's list. Uh, we will cast our votes. Uh, in, in this scenario so uh, let's uh, let's get to that so we'll start with the outstanding studio show weekly your nominees are college game day on ESPN Fox NFL Sunday inside the NBA Monday night countdown and NFL slime time from Nickelodeon so uh, which one do you guys want to want to vote first
0: For, for those that may not be aware, this is support semis. They, they announced some of the, their nominees and all that. This will be announced. The winners will be on May 31st. Uh, this category has been dominated mostly by Inside the NBA and Game Day. That's been the two shows that have dominated this category. So it depends on who you think has had the better year. I kind of feel – Game uh, Adam, I don't know if you have a, a, an outside pick there. I think it's going to be – I'd be surprised if it's not one of those two. I would actually lean – towards game day this year. I thought they had a really strong year. That's me. I don't know what you guys think.
2: I I would go inside the NBA. I think game day this year, I mean, Lee Corso kind of stepping in and out. They introduced Pat McAfee. I think they had a lot of moving parts. I think they figured it out for a while there towards the end, but I think it was a little bit up and down. I think you know what you're going to get inside NBA. Um, You you know what, you know, you're going to get hijinks. You're going to get more fun. You're you're going to get a little bit of viral clips. I think game day this year probably – more of a transition year, like how are using Pollock? All of a sudden McAfee's here. Corso is not here a bunch, Uh, you know, Kirk and Desmond are Kirk and Desmond. So I I go inside the NBA this year. I think, I think college game day certainly can get there next year, but I think this year with some of the, some of the change and some of the uncertainty, I I think I tipped a nod to inside the NBA. Yeah.
1: I thought McAfee brought some good juice to game day. That uh, was, was, was a good shot in the arm that they, that they needed. Um, yeah, it's hard to argue against Inside the NBA. They are a gold standard and uh, have been for a very, very long time. Um, God, I haven't watched Monday Night Countdown in in forever. Of course, you know I'm not uh, other you know because basically studio shows I watch would be Game Day or Inside the NBA. <laughs> so
0: I would probably I will say this on the Monday Night Countdown. If you're looking for an upset pick, I mean they got a lot of praise for the coverage of the Hamlin situation in the Cincinnati Buffalo game and how they handle that situation. Uh, so I, if, if you're going for an upset, a long shot, that might be the pick. Cause they, they, this is one of the first times they've been uh, nominated. So that if you're looking for an upset, like big odds, yeah, that would be the that's one. That's a good
2: call. I mean, later we're going to get to this too, but one of the people nominated was um, um, Robert Griffin III, who was – is one of the stars of Monday Night Countdown. I think he's brought a lot to that. He still has the Berger McFarlane effect. But they have a lot of rotating. Alex Smith is there sometimes. Larry Fitzgerald is there sometimes. Randy Moss is there. And then he's not. Steve Young is there. they got a bit of a rot I think they still need to figure out their formula. I think to, they could compete, quote-unquote, in this category in the next couple of years. I think if, if Robert Griffin stays there, I think he's he's going to be a star on that particular show. But I think it's a, a tad bit premature for them on this one. What what till they add J.J. Watt, and then maybe they got something.
1: JJ Watt.
2: He's available. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's
1: available. <laughs> that, that is true. All right, so Outstanding Studio Show Daily. MLB Tonight. NFL Live. Pardon the interruption. The Rich Eisen Show and Sports Center. Eric, you take this one first.
0: PTI is still going strong. Yes. The numbers are through the roof, even through the you know the years they've done. I'll say this. If, I think PTI is the favorite here. NFL Live could be the sleepy here. You know they've really had a monster success since they made all the roster changes on that show with Laura Rutledge running the show, Times and and the crew they've got there. It wouldn't shock me if they stole this category, but I'm gonna go PTI. I still think they're as good as they've ever been. They, they're on top of their other game.
2: I, yeah, I think PTI is the gold standard. Yeah, yeah. I think the bigger shock is the Rich Eisen show getting a, a nomination. This is typically the Dan Patrick spot. Um, right, that that's it's in there. So I don't I don't watch the Rich Eisen program. I don't think against Rich Eisen that this isn't a you know, this isn't a boycott. But I, I'm surprised Rich Eisen gets the gets the nod there. I, I mean, again, that's typically the, the the holdover Dan Patrick spot on that one. So that was actually the shocker, but I think I agree with you. I think PTI gold standard in this category.
1: Which is interesting because both Eisen and Patrick, you know, were, you know, on DirecTV and NBC Sports Network when it was in existence. And, you know, now they're on Peacock, you know, so and and I know there's a lot, a lot of issues with the the Peacock app. So I find that one very interesting. You know, I would probably go PTI here as well. Uh, I'm a big Tony Kornheiser fan, so I I probably would lean for that. Um, The Rich Eisen Show, I haven't watched in a long time, but I always thought he was trying to be, Dan Patrick 2.0, you know, with his own little version of the Danettes. I always kind of thought uh, that was more of a, more of a knockoff uh, to Dan's show. And, 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 and since they're based in LA, they get a little too Hollywood heavy for my liking. Uh, so I would, I would say PTI would be my vote in, uh, in that particular one. All right. So outstanding show limited run. We have Fox MLB, the postseason inside the NBA playoffs postseason NFL countdown road to the final four and world cup today. Who's your vote,
2: Adam? I wanted to go off the board and go world cup today. Cause it was, it was a big event, but I, I just think Fox was okay. I think they could have done a little bit better on the world cup coverage. I think some new voices, Clint Dempsey was good. I think Landon Donovan's got to find his voice. Alexi Lawson being honest kind of annoys me. I think Rob Stone is solid, though. I wanted to go World Cup today because I really enjoyed that. But I when I look at the other ones, I hate to go back to inside the NBA, but it's basically the same show. It just has the word playoffs slap behind it, right? So um but if I'm gonna be a little bit different on this one, um uh I I actually really liked Fox's postseason baseball coverage. Um, I think Big Poppy, A Rod, Kevin Burkhardt. I kind of like that crew a little bit. I know Jeter's coming in, which is controversial, and and the big hurt's going out there. But I might give the the nod to um to Fox postseason. I love the uh what the bit where um what Big Poppy put vodka in Frank Thomas's water bottle and didn't tell Frank Thomas. I kind of like the those hijinks there. So I'll go off the board. I'll go I'll go Fox postseason baseball. Though it's probably not gonna get close to winning. <laughs>
0: Uh, I would go conspiracy theory and say inside the NBA this year will get this award instead of the other award just to kind of you know, do something a little different. A lot of people kind of bash the World Cup coverage from Fox. I would be stunned if they win it because I think a lot of people would absolutely be pre- pretty upset with that. Uh, the MLB was pretty good, but I'm going to go with the inside the NBA on this one.
2: I'll
1: give you a good story about the uh, World Cup uh, coverage. Uh, so my wife is a big big soccer fan and she's watching the studio show and Alexi Laws makes some sort of comparison and they start talking about Tom Brady for five minutes. And she's like, I don't want to bleep in here about Tom Brady during the world cup. <laughs> so, uh, so I know she's not voting for world cup today. Um, yeah, this is a tough one. Um, you might be right on the, the balancing out of giving inside the NBA, the, the deal on this one. I'm not an A-Rod fan, so i never watch the the Fox shows uh, that he's on, you know. Yeah, I probably would go inside the NBA playoffs. I mean, I watch a lot of March Madness, so I do like Road to the Final Four, but it's not a it's not a stellar program. So that's uh, that's just kind of one way to put it there. So let's move to outstanding personality studio hosts. We have James Brown, CBS, Reese Davis of ESPN. Rich Eisenman of NFL Network, Mike Tarico of NBC, and Scott Van Pelt of ESPN. Eric. I think to
0: me this has got to be between two guys, Van Pelt and Reese Davis, and it just depends on what your preference is. I think those are the two. I'm not a James Brown guy. The Rich Eisen thing, he's pretty good. It's kind of weird, though, because he did host the NFL pregame show, but he also did some play-by-play. Um yeah, I, I to me it's either Van Pelt or Reese Davis. I think you go with one of those two. And if I had to, woo, I will go I'm gonna go Reese Davis
2: for game day. Adam. I'm gonna go Scott Van Pelt. Um I think what he's done in that in that late night uh sports center slot, I think he holds that, that slot down really well. His show is creative, it's innovative, does great interviews. He's, you know, he's burst some new characters and a Stanford Steve, right? Who You now see across ESPN platforms. He's got some some pretty iconic bits. Bad Beats is one I think that all of us probably see every now and again and laugh on. I think he's just consistent. He's steady. I don't know if he's ever won one before. I don't know if either of you guys can correct me on that.
0: I don't think so. I don't think he has. So that does work to your favor I've,
2: on that. Yeah, I feel like it's a lifetime achievement, longevity. He's been doing it for such a long time at a high level um, and keeps just just doing a great job. I think... I think he deserves this one just based on longevity and sort of a lifetime achievement. I think he's got a really creative show and that's, that's a tough slot to hold down every, every night coming right off of a, an event. You're interviewing somebody live. You probably don't know who you're talking to. So you got to figure that out on the fly quickly. The, the player of the game is all front and center in front of you. And yet he seems to seamlessly make that happen every day. I mean, Reese does a lot of stuff with college basketball and football. So he's got a little bit more screen time, but I'm going to go with Scott Van Pelt.
1: You know, interesting, so I'm presuming Mike Tirico's on this list for, you know, hosting, like, you know, the golf majors on NBC, the Indy 500, because he's not doing the, yeah, the Sunday right. night thing anymore. Agreed. Agreed, Uh, So, I mean, if he was still doing Sunday night, I would probably, you know, put him in higher consideration for this, but uh, to break it kind of wild that
0: Ernie Johnson's not nominated.
1: Yeah, that's a, yeah, because...
0: That's wild.
1: Yeah, that is it. That is a kind of a little bit of an eye opener there. I would say to break the tie, I'd probably say Reese Davis uh, if by vote were to count for anything. <laughs> His,
0: I don't. Have, probably, I would have no issues if Vampel won. Just for the record, I yeah. think you could. I'm fine with either one. I, I think Adam made a great case, so I, I have no qualms with either one. Yes.
1: All right, outstanding personality play-by-play. Kenny Albert, and, of course, he works for everybody. (laughs) So he works for Fox and NBC and Turner. Uh, Mike Breen of ABC, Joe Buck, now of ESPN. Ian Eagle of CBS and Turner. Chris Fowler of ESPN and Al Michaels of Prime Video. So Prime Video gets a nomination. And Mike Tirico of NBC. So a lengthy list here. So, Adam, take a shot.
2: I love Al Michaels. I don't know how he made this list. (laughs) This one just feels like they they typed it in. They're like, oh, crap, he moved in. Ah, whatever. It's already here. Let's just go with it, right? So I don't know how Al Michaels made this list. To your point, just based on breadth of work alone, Kenny Albert is everywhere, right? I mean, he does so many sports. He's doing multiple multiple nights, multiple sports. That's got to be tough. With hockey being sort of maybe the the main sport for him, it's probably not mainstream enough. I don't know how many people watch that. I'm going to go Ian Eagle. I think he's just a solid broadcaster on college basketball. He does NBA stuff, right? He does, um, you know, he's he's doing football stuff on the side. I, I think he's NBA. I, I think he just does a great job with every broadcast he's in. We talked earlier, Eric mentioned, you know, from his perspective, doing broadcast, how hard it is to go from one sport to another at a high level like that. I think Ian Eagle always does a great job. He's He's got the prime games in a lot of these situations. So I'm going to go Ian Eagle, but I'm also going to question how Al Michaels got nominated. <laughs> Eric gotta make gotta motivate him to
0: come back for another year that's what it is um so I think Eagle's one of the top two favorites in this I think Joe Buck's the other co-favorite in this shout out Chris Fowler's the first time he's been nominated for a sports Emmy as play-by-play hmm. he's been nominated before his host and all but as play-by-play and he does tennis and college football so I'm actually rooting for Fowler to win this one uh, Candy Albert, I mean, the thing is Mike Emmerich won a bunch of Emmys as the hockey guy So you could win as hockey, but I don't know If if Kenny can pull that off I think it's between Buck and, Eagle, and I and Eagle I could see Eagle winning, but I think Buck's Going to win, I think Buck wins because He made the biggest impact By moving from Fox To Monday Night Football, and, what we, and everybody Praised it, how fantastic it Was on the Monday Night Football, and how bigger It felt like, so I think Joe Buck wins The Emmy for his move to Monday Night Football
1: yeah, so on this list, and yeah, I do agree with you, Adam. I mean, uh, Kenny Albert, the fact that he does everything and he does it very well. Uh, yeah. My pick in this would be Iron Eagle. Uh, I, I think right now he's probably my favorite play-by-play guy of uh, anybody out there. So, I would say that would be uh, my my particular vote on there. And we'll f- have to do the deep dive investigation the Al Michaels nomination, uh, outstanding personality and studio analyst. Charles Barkley Jay Billis Nate Burleson, Ryan Clark VSPN, Shaquille O'Neal of Turner Kenny Smith of Turner and Tom Verducci of MLB Network so a lot of NBA Turner influence in this list so Eric what's your thought? This is the
0: most wide open one this is the most wide open I think you could go a lot of different directions with this there's so many nba guys do they cancel each other out or not right like billis obviously with his college hoops uh Bert, you know you've you've got a guy like ryan clark making a debut here kind of out of nowhere uh I, this is the most intriguing one i'm a kenny smith guy i would pick kenny smith but i i do wonder adam if these basketball guys maybe cancel each other the nba guys and open it up for somebody else in this category. Maybe Jay Billis wins it again. But uh, I, this is a this is the most riveting one. I, I think this is a fascinating one.
1: Well, Eric, you know yeah, what? I, I kind of I was going to say before before we get to Adam on that. You know, Charles Barkley is going to say your pick is terrible.
2: Wow! <laughs> Impressions, music, promotion—we do it all here on the Jeff Allen Sports Talk Show. Um, I agree with you. I think the basketball guys can't chance each other out because. Well, I think Barkley is probably on the top line of those three, you can't make that show without all three of them, right? Like, I think it's, you know, they're synonymous with each other. I think that Shaq is a good foil for Barkley. I think Kenny is a little bit more reasonable. I don't, I, I know that they've won individually in awards in the past. I don't know how you separate those three personally. So I, I kind of take those three out. If they're all going to be in the category. I typically like Billis. I feel like Billis is getting to the point, though, where maybe it's just me. I'm starting to question how much he's researching, how much he's, you know, paying attention to the game. I don't want him to cross into that vital territory where he just picks the four blue bloods every year and says that's who's going to win. And that's the best teams. I thought when he came in the game, he was a little bit sharper with some of that stuff. Maybe I'm just reading into that a little bit. I don't know. I'm going to go off the board. I actually really, really, really like Ryan Clark. I think he's a he's a really good analyst. I think he gives you good information. I think he gives you perspective. I, I think he gives you analysis. I think he gives you a little bit of insight for some of the players. I'm going to go Ryan Clark. I think you you mentioned Elo, how NFL Live has improved. He's a big part of that cast. He's a big part of that with Orlovsky coming in, with Marcus Spears. I think they've got a really good rapport there. Um, I think Ryan, he, he does some really cool stuff. I don't know if you all watch the Pivot podcast that he does with Channing Crowder um, and uh, who's the other guy? Uh, uh, Fred Taylor. They have some really revealing interviews with athletes that you don't hear elsewhere in a lot of places. So I'm gonna go Ryan Clark. I think I think he's a he's not gonna win because he's, to your point, Eric, first time in he's probably not gonna win the thing. But I think he's doing a really nice job. I think he's improved a ton. I think he's really helped the ESPN's football coverage.
1: You know, I'm 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 feeling sorry for Tom Verducci because you got to figure on this list. It's gonna to have to be well. It's nice to be nominated <laughs> because I don't think there's any chance he wins uh, in this at all. Um, yeah, I like Billis a lot too. Um, although. He, I think he's kind of also gone very commissionerish on what he thinks college basketball should be. I think sometimes that stance gets a little overdone. Um, but I'm gonna pick uh, I'm gonna pick Charles Barkley on this one just because I think he's gonna ride the cachet on that one. So let's go to outstanding personality sports event analyst. So uh, that would be Chris Collinsworth, Gary Danielson, Peyton Manning, Bill Raftery and John Smoltz. Adam take this one first.
2: I think this is by far the the weakest of the list. I feel like there's a ton of names that could be on here that are not on here. I mean, all due respect to Gary Danielson, I don't think I would have had him in this category. I mean, he's a he's a solid announcer but outstanding uh, one of the top 5. I don't I don't know. Is Peyton Manning an analyst? I mean, he's really entertaining. I love the Manning cast. I think that's a really cool show. But is he an analyst? Is he, anal- I mean, that's such a non-traditional analyst role. I wonder if he'll have a tough time winning that because it's not what you expect an analyst to, to be. Um, Collinsworth, Raptory, Smoltz. I'm just going to default to Collinsworth on football. It's the most popular sport. Um, He's on the, the Sunday Night Broadcast, usually the most viewed broadcast. I'll go Collinsworth. Um, But I think this is a really interesting weak field. I think there could be some some other names that I'd love to see pop in here.
0: That makes me wonder if maybe Manning is going to win this, just to be different. Like, whoa, Peyton Manning won the Sports Emmy! Look at that, he can do it all. Like, wait, what? He's an analyst. Um, I wonder if there's a curveball coming here, or do they go with Raftery as a long time, you know, long time great? You know, that's what I was thinking. That might be what I think they're going to do. I think Raftery might win this. Uh, I don't know if he's won one before or not, but maybe this is the year he wins it. I'm not sure.
1: Yeah, it's a very eclectic list, to say the least. Uh, so, yeah, I was thinking Raftery, you know, he gets to, you know, the, as part of the gym dance tribute of, of leaving college basketball, I think he has a has a little bit, uh, gets to ride that wave a little bit on, on that. Outstanding personality reporter Molly McGrath of ESPN, Tom Rinaldi of Fox, Holly Rowe of ESPN, Lisa Salters of ESPN, and Melissa Stark of NBC in her first year back. So, Eric, what do
0: you think? I think Holly is going to win this because I think there's been a lot of Holly Rowe momentum recently, especially with her coverage of doing the women's sports and college football and the main crew. I feel like Holly Rowe's got some momentum. She just re-signed a deal. There's just been a lot of buzz around her maybe. I'm going to go with her. I'm going to go with her as the winner uh, on this one.
2: I I agree with, with that. I, I have a couple of wild cards. I think... Hey, I think if we're doing a storytelling, nobody does that better than Tom Rinaldi, right? If we're talking like feature reports, things like that, like nobody does that better than Tom Rinaldi. Get the Kleenex out because you're probably going to cry during one of his, right? He's not a great sideline guy, in my opinion. I hate when they throw him in the sideline because I, I expect him to go, no. What were you feeling on that last third? Like I want a tear from Mike McCarthy, who makes me cry, by the way. <laughs> I expect Mike McCarthy to cry as well when Tom Rinaldi's <laughs> interviewing me. My only wild card is Lisa Salters, only because Eric said this earlier. She was paramount in the Damar Hamlin coverage, right? She was the reporter on the sideline. She was the one kind of giving everyone updates and really took a lot of a lot of the screen time while a lot of the unknowns were going on. So I wonder if not that she's great, by the way, don't get me wrong, but I wonder if that one singular performance will kind of propel her a little bit above Holly Rowe, who I do think is another viable candidate. So- I would lean Holly Rowe, but I wonder if Lisa Salters would get a bit of an uptick since she kind of led that to Mar Hamlin coverage.
1: Yeah, that's a great point. You know, because that's a, you know a very defining moment in the sports world that happened over the last year, and that does it often brings people into prominence uh, when when they cover something like that. So that might be the catalyst against a reward. I think Holly Rowe is certainly very very well deserving. I think I think this is definitely one of those you're good with either one, right? So that's, that's a, that's a pretty much a no brainer as far as that goes. And, uh, Adam alluded to this earlier. So outstanding personality emerging on air talent. The list has Andrea Carter of ESPN and the SEC network, RG three of ESPN, Eli Manning of ESPN, Greg Olson of Fox and JJ Reddick of ESPN. How long has JJ Reddick been emerging? <laughs> He's been around a while. Uh, but, uh,
0: He's, I, think he's, I think he's been nominated for this category like every year.
1: Okay, okay. <laughs> Consistency. All, right. All right, Eric, what do you think?
0: This is, uh, I mean, Reddick might be due to win one, but doesn't this feel like a Greg Olson win? To totally. Just add more layers to the, hey, are you really going to move him for Tom Brady? Like, imagine that if he wins. Like, there's probably some Fox executives at him right now that are rooting against Greg Olson to win this That's award. That's why I
2: want him to win. <laughs> yeah. I think this one for me is the toughest, right? With with all due respect to Andrea Carter and, and Eli Manning, I I don't know that. I think this is this is probably a, a three person race, right? With RG three, Olsen and JJ Reddick. I I like Reddick from a couple of perspectives. One, he bothers the hell out of Stephen A. Smith, and I love anybody who's gonna bother <laughs> Stephen A. Smith and get under his skin. So I like that Reddick can do that. Um, I think RG three is the most surprising. I don't know if he's he's certainly emerging, but I think he's on this list because everyone was like, oh, wow, he's actually really good at this. Like, I don't know what the bar for him was. But I think as we all consumed him throughout the year and we heard him on, on college, we heard him in the NFL, I think we're all like, man, he's actually pretty good. Like, I think that's how he gets on the list. But I think Greg Olson did it on the biggest stage, right? He was on the you know, NFC Championship stage. He was on the Super Bowl stage. I think he's probably got the biggest name cachet. I think everyone loved his coverage, especially on the on the NFC Championship game and explaining some of the rules and some of the things going on. That You know, when the one guy didn't go out of bounds and he explained that, hey, you got to go forward, not, not backwards, right? That's where the clock runs. I think he had some really cool moments there so i'm gonna go greg olsen but i, I honestly think if you went, if you gave me rg3 or jj Redick, i wouldn't complain but to me i think this is the toughest category i think olsen did it on a bigger stage than the other two so i think that's why he gets the nod
1: yeah i i would agree with that um yeah you know the the thing with rg3 i will say i was pleasantly surprised uh by how he has how, how he well he has performed You know, when you think of him as a player and some of the things he did, you know, he's a bit of a knucklehead uh, when it came came down to it. But, um, you know, he brings a different flavor. So it's just not the same old, same old, you know, of somebody coming in and being an analyst. And he's doing both, you know, studio and uh, game coverage. So... Uh, I think that is a great testament. To him, I love the fact that he, you know, he went, to, uh, you know, he he went to Spirit Splash, but he was here for UCF, you know. So and they, they made a he's little. He's very
2: engaged in social media. He, he engages with fans and stuff. He's always posting stuff, responding to people. I think he's very fan friendly, right? But I think this is more of a surprise. Like, wow, he's really good. Not that he's not emerging, but I think it's more of a like, wow, this is, he's he's actually talented. And not that 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 shouldn't be a knock on him, but I think that's probably how he finds himself on the list.
1: Yeah. And you and you know this kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier, you know about how you know, we're kind of going through a bit of a generational change in broadcasting. You know, more guys like him that do this engaging kind of stuff is going to probably be more normal uh, than than we've seen in recent years. Um, and of course, the you know, the the Emmy for best softball announcer goes to. Eric Lopez of UCF Athletics. Congratulations, I Eric.
2: I didn't see that on the list. I didn't.
1: You
0: know, <laughs> I he was know.
2: a one, one
1: man race.
0: <laughs> I hope you hope you ran that by Adam. I think he had some candidates ready to go on the softball. <laughs> that, that, that's a lot
2: I mean, of I, fun wanna, I was watching a lot of live golf. I didn't get a lot of, <laughs> a lot of time to check out the
0: softball. <laughs> <laughs> so, the play by play guy for live golf that doesn't make your list.
2: I don't even know who that is. And me neither. So, no, he does <laughs> no, not.
1: Yes. <laughs> so, John Doe. Yeah. <laughs> so there you, there you go. So uh, uh, very interesting uh, stuff. You know, that's kind of kind of cool to go through the list and uh, and 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 see who's up. Yeah, it'll be interesting to
0: see how many we get right and how many we don't, and uh, maybe we have to recap this after the uh, all the announcement at the end of the
1: day. Yeah, we we will do that uh, next time around. So, gentlemen, we've come to the end of the road. Um, let's, uh, get those, uh, shameless plugs in, Elo, lead off.
0: Yeah, you can catch me as, uh, Jeff alluded to, calling softball. The next softball broadcast on ESPN Plus will be April 21st, UCF against USF. Some people care about those, when those two schools get together, it's a big series, April 21st through the 23rd. My next broadcast actually will be Friday, baseball, UCF baseball. Adam, I don't know if you've heard of they're in the news or anything, but they're hosting Memphis five o'clock before the spring game, football. Uh, going on on Friday So busy day on campus I'll be on the call for that one For baseball And then the softball after that And then just doing a lot of softball content Because as we get closer to May It's postseason People want to know Who who's, who do I have in the NCAA tournaments. So I'll be working Bracketology stuff For x softball I still write stuff On com. We got a night podcast Which is now referred to Night Shift So it's I'm all over the place But And Eric lopez Is the easiest to find Keep up with what I'm doing
2: Adam I will say, by the way, Elo is indeed the nation's premier softball bracketologist. I think yes. he's like near perfect the last two years, Eric. You've got went one perfect last, last year, year <laughs> went
0: perfect last year, including okay. nailing UCF to host, which nobody else had in the country. Obviously, at all 16 sites, all 64. The year before, I've hit 63 out of 64.
2: Down here, I don't think Joe Elo Lenardi can that say that. Um, yeah, down here for Elo on that one. But uh, no, I'm, uh, I'm. Uh, uh, fortunate to be part of the Sons of UCF conglomerate. Uh, we have podcasts. We have live video shows on Thursday. We have a YouTube channel, uh, where we have videos, interviews, merchandise, uh, special reports. <laughs> uh, we don't sell the merch yet, but I can, I can get you a hat, Jeff, if you need one. <laughs> uh, we've got a new reporter on the scene, Leo, who's been doing some great work for us. Our website, we've been adding some more written, written contact at dot Uh, so search Sons of UCF wherever you do social media type stuff. And uh, and you'll get be able to get a hold of us. Uh, the crew is myself, Mike, Trace, and now Leo. So um, give all those guys a follow as well. Uh, no uh, uh, no better guys to work with than those four. So super happy to be part of the group.
1: Yep, outstanding job the guys both do. So Eric, uh, give me a quick uh, uh, synopsis of the uh, softball season. You know, after UCF had great success, as you mentioned, uh, uh, hosting a regional last year, getting 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 to the Midwest. Uh, what's your yep. take on how the season's unfolded?
0: But up and down a little young in the pitching staff they've had some injuries they haven't had one of their catchers for the whole year so they've had some growing pains lost five games via the walk-off early in the month of february and march to put that in perspective from 2019 to 2022 they only lost two games via the walk-off so a little rough patch but they're starting to play well they've won six in a row they're currently in the rpi 33 range i think if they kind of continue to take care of business they'll be an ncaa tournament they can still win the conference. Tournament, which will be held in Tampa in May, so there's still in the, there's a lot to play for for this team, and I think they're starting to figure out who they are, and they're kind of clicking here and peaking as, as we get closer to May, which is when you want to be
1: peaking. Yeah, it seems like the pitching is starting to, to elevate as well.
0: Yeah, yeah, with yeah, I think Willis, I think Willis, obviously there's a, a pitcher from transfer from Washington Grace Jewel Sarah Willis and Grace Jewel have kind of stepped up to be that one two punch we kind of didn't know who if they had that they went by committee early in the year and it was kind of up and down they've gotten more more confident as the year goes on and some of their bats are going like shannon doherty who uh is right on fire she just won the order of pegasus which is the highest honor for any ucf student not just student athlete student uh so congrats to her on that so i think they're peaking at the right time and uh hopefully they can continue that they're at tulsa which is as we all know that's problem (laughs) good news is it'll be the last time we have to go to Tulsa
1: yes the house of horrors for UCF sports (laughs) that's no no other way to say that so guys as always man appreciate it and uh we will do it again down the road very soon always a pleasure Jeff thanks Jeff appreciate it all right and with that we are done here